Man, because I've been in physio or been without physio for a couple weeks because of quarantine, I actually can feel my mouth tightening up. Here, let me do some. Wayne went to Wales to watch walruses. A big black bear sat on a big black rug. I don't know. <laughs> do you know tongue twisters? No. Or Mad Libs? No, I always avoided those. Let me look them up real quick. I don't like wordplay. Okay, well, there's the obvious ones, like how much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? If a woodchuck could suck cock? <laughs> how much cock would a woodchuck <laughs> suck if a woodchuck could suck cock? Yeah, exactly. I'm just imagining a gay woodchuck. It's like, mm, <laughs> yeah. not a nice wood. Can I chop you over? I want to chuck that one. <laughs> Let me chuck your one. Is that offensive to gay woodchucks? We'll have to ask them. I don't think so. Any <laughs> gay woodchucks listen to this? I wonder if a woodchuck is like a class of gay people. You know how they have like bears and that's actually the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> oh, there's otters. Oh yeah, otters, yeah. Otters, I don't really know what that is. But they're, that's a thing. I wonder if there's woodchucks. Okay, so I get how some uh, some tongue twisters like have a point. Like it's like a phrase that kind of makes sense at least. But here's one. Can you tell me what this is supposed to mean? Can you can a can as a can or can can a can? Oh, I figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> can you can a can as a can or can can a can? That's not that hard to say. No. Can you, can I, can, 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 as a can, I can, can I, can, can, can you? Anthony, is this really our podcast right now? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're supposed to be applying to the Canada Council for the Arts. <laughs> <laughs> this is high art. Yeah, yeah, really. <laughs> the reason I was bringing this up was because, be, I don't know if I've ever told you what my physio does. To try to compensate for my mouth not opening as a result of my disability. Have I ever went and talked to you at all about this? No. Okay. So hold on. What is the gist of it? That like the muscles in your face are uh, atrophying or something? Yeah. So like if you don't use it, you lose it. So my penis is falling off. And also my mouth is like shutting closed. <laughs> don't lie tony your penis is the most able part of your body <laughs> we'll get to that later yeah, yeah. Uh, so my jaw i guess like the muscles in my jaw atrophy like everything else so my my mouth doesn't open very wide and it's not even something where you can like physically pry it open like it's just really really tight your I'm jaw is at, tight yeah my jaw Okay. I've gone and had acupuncture and MRIs and CAT scans, and I've been to like TMJ specialists. What are TMJ specialists? Uh, throat, mouth, and jaw. I don't really know. TMJ oh. is like a specialist around your jaw and neck muscles, I think. Weird. That yeah. sounds like a very niche specialization. Like they have like seven clients. And they spend the rest of the time, their time, like reading academic journals or something. Yeah, I feel like their main job is like 
how to make pureed food. Really? I don't really know. I, she didn't So, really... like, every time you have an appointment with them, they, they just make you a smoothie? Well, when I went there, she would actually get in there. She would put some gloves on, put her hands in my mouth, oh, and, and just, like, start prying it. Like, just, like, putting her back into it. Oh, my just, God. Like, forcing my jaw until tears were running down my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Are you sure you didn't visit the casting coach? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. I knew I was almost going to say, try not to turn this into a sexual joke. Because <laughs> I knew that you were going to do that. But, like, at the same time, there's no helping that happening. There's no way I could stop you. No, so yeah, she's like... Wait, wait, wait. Is it is it better or worse than the dentist? I don't have a big dentist aversion like most people. I've actually never had a cavity, remember, ladies? And so <laughs> I've never had to experience, like, the drilling and the weird tools and stuff. So it doesn't really... I don't have a negative connotation with the dentist. Sounds like she was trying to make you some cavities. <laughs> She would, yeah, she would like cry. I remember it was so painful. I would start like crying, but it was like good pain that you know it's like a good goal that you're working towards. Did so she have just, like weirdly evolved social skills? Because I feel like people who have to be that invasive in personal care are like exceedingly good at like uh, disguising the discomfort of the situation. Like the way that a lot of nurses are incredibly sociable. That's a really good point. I don't remember her standing out to me as like a social savant, but I was also a crying from the pain. So probably not really tuned into the social mannerisms that were happening. Remember and when you said that after your spinal fusion, your pain level was 46 out of 10. <laughs> so what was the pain level with a woman's wrist down your throat? Oh yeah. It was like, it was like nine. <laughs> oh, that's nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I know. <laughs> like, I feel like I've had shits that hurt more than that. <laughs> but, okay. But, but it was still painful. It was just an acceptable pain because at least when when it's happening, you know that the pain equals success. <laughs> yeah, like relief. It's like yeah, the pain like, you experience during like a, a deep tissue massage. Yeah, exactly. You know that... You're going to come out better for it. Or like an aggressive hand job or something. No, I mean, uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> I've never had that happen. <laughs> what? I don't know. <laughs> you already accused me of being overly sexual, so I thought I'd continue. Yeah, just trying to see how far you can push it. Yeah, or tug it or whatever. Let, let's go back to fucking uh, tongue twisters. No, hold on. <clears throat> Imagine the the TLJ woman or whatever. TMJ. TMJ? Yeah. Okay. Uh, imagine she interned at Orange Julius. <laughs> Every time they don't have a blender, they call her, and she just squeezes the juice out of the oranges. Well, <laughs> you said her, her specialization is, like, developing diets, like, drinkable diets for people with, like, minimal jaw movement. So where else would you intern? The only other people that I know who know what a TMJ person is are people who have had lockjaw or who have lockjaw. And so when that happens, 
your jaw locks closed and you're basically or you know your jaw is wired shut because you broke it or something and so then yeah you're drinking your hamburger through a straw anyway all that to say for years my jaw has just been getting slowly more and more closed and it's getting a little harder to talk but also definitely harder to fit food in my mouth yeah 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 so now when the attendant is feeding me they what they usually do is they'll put the food on like a spoon and then use another spoon or a fork or something if they're real crazy they'll use a knife and they'll push the food off of the spoon into my mouth like kind of shovel it in yeah like mini shovel into your face that sounds really invasive well, it's the only way to get food in there because my jaw is so tight. Yeah. So anyway, recently I asked my dentist about it because, you know, this is getting to be an issue for me and I really want to get ahead of it before it gets, you know, beyond repair. And the dentist was like, yeah, honestly, if you don't, if it keeps going at this rate, you're going to be on a liquid only diet. And those words, those are the three words I needed to hear. To be like, what do I need to do? I'll start doing it immediately. You know what I mean? Yeah, in in terms of getting the jaw lady to come and fist your face. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, you can shove a gay woodchuck in there if you have to. (laughs) I need to make sure that this thing starts opening more. So now my strategy has been, I ordered a box of like 500 popsicle sticks. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm not even kidding. This is not even a joke. Okay. Every week, my physio comes. And you guys eat a popsicle together. <laughs> we have a popsicle and reminisce about how my jaw used to be bigger. <laughs> It'd be funny if, like, the, like, the therapy is to make you eat, like, <laughs> progressively big, bigger popsicles. <laughs> <laughs> Just like by the end of the day, you're having a full ice cream sandwich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's how you know you're improving. Yeah, like your victory is that you're like obese. <laughs> <laughs> I start with a Mr. Mini and then I get to a Mr. Big eventually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's way more humiliating than that. I just put a popsicle stick in my mouth, then put another one on top of it until <laughs> I I start with three. Three popsicle sticks. That's how far my mouth opens right now. Is the thickness of three popsicle sticks. And then I put another popsicle stick in between them and she shoves it in and it stretches my jaw like another millimeter open. And then by the end of the physio session, sometimes you get up to eight popsicle sticks. Whoa. Yeah, which is a significant difference from three to eight. It's like half a centimeter. Still like... What is a Big Mac? Like 35 popsicle sticks? I mean, most people don't enjoy how how much they have to open their mouths to eat a Big Mac. Oh, that's those gay woodchucks. <laughs> it definitely feels, it's the same type of pain now. My eyes will kind of well up and I have to like do kind of mental gymnastics to just be okay with the pain. Uh, where is the pain? In in the in my cheeks, like in my jaw. Okay, okay. Yeah, it's just it's just like. Do your teeth hurt, or is it just like your like the basically the lower half of your face? No, it's like the sides, like my cheek muscles. 
because they're just being like stretched. Ooh, it's like it's like a terrible hamstring stretch for me. Exactly. Yeah. And so I do that for like, you know, five, 10 minutes, take a break, do it again with maybe one more popsicle stick this time. <laughs> <laughs> and then just see how many I can get. <laughs> Tony, I don't mean to be cruel, but like, as your friend, I feel like if I was there while this therapy was happening, I'd be laughing like at least half of the time. We've talked about this. I don't think you laugh enough at the crazy stuff that happens to me. Some of it is really heavy and hard. <laughs> I'm laughing at you even just saying that. It is. It's not that bad. But yeah, my uh, one of my tenants saw me doing it once, and she was just like making like laughing eyes while she was doing the dishes. Like my physio was just like shoving popsicle sticks in, and I <laughs> her, and she'd, she'd like lock eyes with me and just like laugh and then do the dishes a bit more. That's a sensible reaction. It's it. I mean, I know it's a desperate situation, but it's also hilarious. it's really funny. <laughs> it's so it looks funny. like the like if we were to do a a video on it, the thumbnail would be the exact same as the Super Size Me documentary poster, where it's just a guy with like forty fries sticking out of his mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's his name? I can't remember his name, but it doesn't matter. Self. Don't worry about it. I don't know why you always have to remember names, you weirdo. <laughs> um, the rest of the podcast is just you yelling at yourself. <laughs> but could like couldn't she make it more interesting? Like, why popsicle sticks? Because it's simple and cheap, but also it's a very accurate, objective way to measure the improvement. Because before she would just stick her hand in there. And just, like, start trying to pry it open. Like, with gloves on? Yeah. Or just raw? Okay, good. No. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, tasting what she had for lunch. Uh, yeah. Or her <laughs> nail polish? <laughs> <laughs> That's actually one of the grossest smells to me. It's, like, vinegar is number one, and then nail polish might be, like, around number two. I realized today that the smell of hairspray has this really weird like childhood association where it was always the last thing you like smelt in the house before your parents like went out on a dinner date. Oh, you know, it's getting real. <laughs> no. It, so there's like this commotion or this busyness around the house. And it means that like the, I'm about to be home alone. It's weird. It's a weird association. Yeah. I had those. I, I remember like anytime my parents were about to go out, it was like game time. Yeah, like even the even the pets in the house like understand that something's about to change. Mm -hmm. They they get like restless. Like, what's going on? I remember like true freedom was being being able to log on to the dial-up internet without asking anyone for permission. Yeah, without having to wait for someone to get off the phone. Yeah, because yeah. we weren't one of those rich families who had an extra phone line just for internet. No, we didn't either. We went right from the from the single phone line to the DSL. Yeah, same. So if somebody, you had to like get off the internet every once in a while so your parents could check for messages. Were you always like the most adept person at computers in your immediate family? Yeah. Well, I was the only person that really cared about them. Did you actually care or did you just recognize that you needed to care in order to function? I don't think I recognized the need. I think I... It was just the only real 
thing that I could do with my time besides TV. I remember like teachers being really impressed by the fact that I could type despite not being able to do anything else really with my hands. <laughs> and so it was like the, it, it was the accolade of being a proficient typer despite spasticity that made me want to continue to use computers. <laughs> On the flip side, I actually had teachers tell me how nice my handwriting was. Oh yeah. The people do that to me all the time. It's really condescending. They honestly like expect me not to be able to write. Was your handwriting good? It is uh, my 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 cursive is atrocious, but my yeah. right like my penmanship overall is nice. Yeah, I can't even hold a pen anymore, but it used to be legit. When is the last time you could could hold a pen? It's a good question. Uh, so I wrote all my notes in high school, and. In university, I started typing my notes, but I think that was more out of convenience. The issue with my disability is like, as soon as you stop using it, it very quickly disappears. So I only have one nipple as a result. <laughs> and I also had to type all my notes and then I stopped being able to write. But for a long time, I would still draw on the, an iPad. I did a lot of like drawing because I was big into drawing growing up. You also still to this day, like draw a lot of 3D models and stuff, right? Yeah, I still like art a lot and uh, any form of like visual expression. But when I was a kid, my art was like those beads. Remember the, the little like geckos and animals and stuff that you could make with beads and a string? It was like super 90s. You'd like hang them on your backpack. Did this not make it to Thunder Bay? I don't think so. No, we had Pogs and Pokemon. Yeah, we had all, the, all that stuff too. Yeah, and we had like the, the talkback watches that would tell you the time and then make a fart noise. Those are funny. I don't remember those. Yeah, it'd be like, the time is 6.32 p.m. And everyone would laugh. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine you're the guy who recorded your voice for that. That's your claim to fame. Yeah, it probably still gets fucking dividends from it or whatever. And all that stuff is coming back around as a royalty or as novelty items now. Is it? I think so. It seems like every stupid fad works its way through my office, independent of like targeted uh, age demographic. I don't know if it never left, but Pokemon is like still huge right now. Just the way you pronounce those syllables means you don't care about uh, Japanese Pokemon? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that's cultural appropriation or something. <laughs> to say it properly? Yeah. I never I never really got into it. I tried Pokemon Git when it came out. I, I resisted that heavily. Yeah. It was a fun first date activity. First date? Yeah, that was my move for like three months. What the hell are you talking about? You, that's what, you'd be like, hey, you want to go play some Pokemon Go together? <laughs> And then you'd meet up in a park and you'd go around catching virtual animals and not talking to each other. Are you being truthful? Up until the not talking to each other part, yes. But so how many successful dates did you have leveraging Pokemon Go? Well, obviously not if I said multiple first dates. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, yeah, I did it a few times. It's really, really odd. It was a fun thing to do. You go out at like 10 p.m. You go for a walk. Then you have some drinks, and then you go for a walk again. It's pretty. It's pretty standard. 
I, yeah, I, I just, I don't, I, I, yeah, I don't get it. So, I mean, you have drinks with a woman and rather than talk, you, you like go wander around parliament looking for a Pikachu. Cause it was basically like, you're just going on a walk and it's kind of, it, all it does is kind of guide you around the city. I, we discovered, I discovered places that I wouldn't necessarily have gone to on my own. Were you even paying attention to the place you were at, or were you just looking for the Charmander? Yeah, well, it's like you'd go there, you'd catch your thing, and then you'd sit there for a bit, talk a bit more, and then be like, all right, let's go to this one, and you'd go to that one, and you'd catch that. Like, it wasn't like we were doing it very seriously. It's like it's like kind of like a cheesy how-we-first-met story. Like, I went to catch a Japanese toy creature, and I came back with a girlfriend. Okay, but besides going to a movie, what do you do on a first date? You sit across from each other. No, and what do questions. you do? What do I do? Yeah. I don't know. I used to go to pubs and just like get food and talk to them. Yeah, yeah, we did that. But then what? The, you finish your, dink, dinner, your dinner, <laughs> you finish your drinks. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't had enough popsicle sticks. <laughs> It was a three popsicle stick kind of day. <laughs> I don't even know if I get two in there today, man. <laughs> just like you're nervous on recording day or what? No, it's just tight because I haven't had physio in a couple of weeks because I've been in lockdown. Now I understand what physio is a euphemism for something. For when I get popsicle sticks shoved into my mouth, yeah. And okay. it, it's kind of crazy enough that I can't. Ask an attendant to do it for me. Why? Because it's a little nuts. You can ask them to put your dick in a container, and you can't ask them to put a straw in your mouth? Sometimes that's hard, depending on the person. That's true, and I want you to tell that story. Well, there's no specific story, except when I pee, I have to put my dick in a bottle. Penis in a bottle. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. into that bottle. Pissing in a urinal. <laughs> Pissing in a urinal. <laughs> um, so what happens is... Out a pistol. No, doesn't work. <laughs> Sending out a pistol, yes. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it seems like it should be a very simple process. What, putting your dick in something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know? But... Mm-hmm. Most of my attendants are female, and so they don't really understand the anatomy. And usually what happens is they'll start pushing the urinal down, like crushing my nuts. Oh, gosh. And I have to be like, no, 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 you can't do that. And they'll be like, sorry, I don't know what it's like to have balls. Uh, And you have to to be like, well, it's not like that. You can't do that. It's not like that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's not that crazy. It does sometimes require a bit of finesse to get the angle right so that the urinal is angled towards the floor so that gravity will be on your side. Yeah, that's always what I had trouble with when I was reliant on a urinal was the optimal angle depending on how I was seated and how to ensure that I wasn't just basically pissing into my lap. (laughs) My pro tip is that I almost always hold a urinal upside down because it's kind of designed to catch the pee so it's like kind of swooping down but if you flip it over then it swoops over the edge of your seat gross but that's just the tip of the pro 
Not the whole thing. The tip of the problem? No, you said pro tip. I was like, just the tip. Never mind. Uh, yeah, so then the pro shaft part is... <laughs> yeah, okay. Sometimes you get guys. You get guy attendance, yeah. Guy attendance. It kind of goes one or two ways. I'm like, oh, okay, this guy obviously has a dick. So he can understand what is required in terms of like optimal angles and how the pee might flow, where the pee is going to come from, and there will be minimal spillage as a result. Yeah, but I have to guess if it's like an inexperienced guy caretaker, they're going to have difficulty empathizing with your dick because they may not necessarily like observe their homophobia but it's 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 probably there well yeah that's exactly what happens yeah it's the same thing when they're giving you a shower they're yeah. either like hey i know this thing has to get clean i got yeah. one and i clean it or they're yeah. like i clean my own but that's it yeah guys spend 60 percent of their shower like you know working away at their privates that's that's yeah. what the shower's for i give a fuck about the rest <laughs> of my body god damn yeah, literally, it's just like, can you wash my armpits and my crotch? That's it. Yeah, exactly. You know, maybe maybe my nose, you know? Eh, I'll do that at the end of the day. But sometimes you get yourself in a situation where you end up having to be like, I'm going to need you to grab my penis, lift it out of my pants, and put it inside the urinal. And there's no funny, lighthearted way to say that that doesn't just make the more the situation way more awkward yeah it's not like you could start out like talking about the the hockey game last night like while they're putting your dick in a different container because you know what you're doing yeah they know what's going on and so yeah sometimes you get uh, an attendant who just tries to like scoop your dick up with the urinal and hope that he can just scoop it in but then if it doesn't get scooped in properly, it ends up like kind of folding over itself or like yeah. just turning to the side a bit or kinking because it is just a hose. That's another thing. And sometimes I have to be like, okay, you're squeezing it too hard. I can't pee through it. Oh, man. my uh, This is an awkward segue, but I used to find when putting on my foot orthotics, I preferred my mom to do it because my dad would grab my ankle like it was a power tool and just shove my foot into the brace. And it always felt like my whole fucking lower, like my tibia was going to snap in half. And he would just be like, there you go, Joe. Good luck walking. Even like getting my nails cut sometimes, if it's the wrong person doing it and I'm not comfortable, my palms get instantly sweaty. Because I've had probably... Or close to 80% of the time, one of my fingers ends up bloody every time I cut my nails. Oh, my God. It's, like, pretty consistent. And so now whenever I get someone who has a pretty good track record, I basically just cut my nails every time I see them. <laughs> they just shave your nails with popsicle sticks? Yeah, they just double as nail files. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, okay, so you're in sweatpants right now, right, Tony? I have sweatpants right now because we should say first that normally you wear like real pants. You don't fucking wheel around in sweatpants. You're a consummate professional. At least everything's remote, so you you can't even tell. 
that no. I'm wearing sweatpants. I've I've been talking to you almost every day for a year, and I've never seen your lower half. Yeah, which is a shame for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to remedy that one day. Yeah, somehow, yeah. But yeah, so it was one of those situations where you're trying to get the person to put your dick in the urinal, and I'm like, it just doesn't feel like it's in enough. And they're like, it's in. Yeah, it's yeah. in. Yeah. And I'm like, I, 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 can you just... And then I'll make up things. I'll be like, oh, it feels kinked. Or like it's pinching or something just so that they'll readjust and hopefully put it in again. I'll have to be like, can you just literally grab it and put it inside? But they don't want to do that. So they're like trying to see if they can push on my belly button and maybe it just pops up somehow. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's like this weird thing. And then eventually I usually just hope for the best. <laughs> If they're confident, they're, they're saying it's in and I'm not going to spill. Just have to give her. Like, do, do you have to build a rapport with these male attendants? Like, does it actually get to a point where they learn how to handle your dick properly in a piss situation? I think, honestly, sometimes the best thing is when it spills. Because <laughs> then they're like, oh, okay, maybe I should have listened. Or like, at the very least, I need to make double sure that it's good because... I don't want to have to go through this whole thing where now I have to change his pants after because there's pee on them. There's there's uh, got to be some sort of proverb about this, like do cry over spilled piss. When it rains, it's piss on your pants. <laughs> I literally have a blow dryer and I don't blow dry my hair. I just use it for the odd time there's a tiny, tiny bit of piss on like my boxers then i'll just wipe it with some water and soap and then blow dry it just to avoid the whole like transfer to the bed change your pants transfer back to your chair yeah we've talked about about it before how a lot of like um autonomous wheelies get super fastidious about their uh personal hygiene because it's like any failing in that realm is amplified by people's expectations that you are going to be smelly and dirty. Yeah. Which is so unfair because I internalized the shit out of that. And my bathroom has like one of those uh, full length mirrors. And every time I pee, I sit so that I can kind of see if I look to the right, I can see the reflection of what's going on. So I generally have a pretty good idea of at least the angle of the urinal because surprisingly it's not even that uncommon for someone to not understand uh gravity they'll just like literally grab the urinal and put it on my dick but it's like pointing towards the sky and then like okay is that good and i'm like what no it's just gonna it, like the piss is just gonna go up like a like a, a pathetic fountain and then, like, back down into your lap. There's literally, the urinal is not doing anything at that point. Yeah, it's just there for decoration. In the, in the middle of you having an, an accident. It's just covering my penis. Yeah. It's just so I can pee on myself in public. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I, I sit in front of a, a mirror so I can at least see the angle and know that I feel comfortable about that. Because, I mean, you only have to pee on yourself one time 
to really hate peeing on yourself. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> oh my God, you never forget it. I know. And, and so the other thing is, when I do pee on myself, so often I, oh, it's just a little bit. It's just, and then, like, how much? And they'll make a gesture with their hands, like, to, to do a circle of how big it is. And it's never that small. They always underplay it because they don't want to have to change my pants. But, like, I can see it. <laughs> so anyway, like, yeah, it was, like, one of the situations where there was no amount of water and soap and a blow dryer that could make this a comfortable situation. So I ended up having to put on a sweat. It's interesting, like, um, straight straight guys are often, like, incredibly helpful. Like, they, 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 like they want to help so badly, and they're so game. Like, if you tell them that you need help, and the thing you need help with is some opportunity to be manly, they're, like, all over it. Oh, like, bro, you need to hop up those stairs? Yeah, I'll fucking fireman carry you right now. I haven't deadlifted in six months, but I'll I'll fucking carry everything you got, man. Yeah, what's a wheelchair? 400 pounds? Yeah, fuck it. I, I'm fine, I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> there are no more generous dudes in the world than, like, drunk dudes at a bar in a bathroom. Like, like if you're if you're struggling or if you're stuck in a club, dudes will... They will conquer heaven and earth to make sure you have a good night. And it's like they, they've never been friendlier. Like they don't care about about boundaries or whatever. They're just like, yeah, man, I'll do anything. Like, yeah, they become like outright humanitarians in that moment. Yeah, And you, you're like, you want to thank them. They'll fucking buy you drinks. They'll lay it all on the line just just for a good deed. And yeah. it's like, I, you know, women obviously have a different experience. But I mean... <laughs> If you're a, if you're another straight disabled dude in a bar, there's you have no greater ally than a drunk like jock. Because in a lot of situations, disabled people, disabled guy friends to a guy is almost better than bringing a puppy to a park. There's that, yeah. There is that. There's the optics of looking like a literal hero in that moment. But then when when they become truly your friend. They get annoyed by that even as much as you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you know you've made a real able-bodied friend when they won't even, like, take the cred. Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. That's when it comes full circle. That's when you can put that. That's when they can be in your wedding party. I'm just saying all of that in order to obviously say that it's just hilarious that, like, where things become skittish and awkward is when they may potentially have to touch your penis. For a completely un- unsexual purpose. In the shower and the urinal, those are the two moments. But, like, to be fair, I've had guy attendants, male attendants, who will get me in my chair and then be like, do you need me to, like, grab your balls and pull them out from under you? <laughs> and, like, no woman is thinking about that. Yeah. And they're like, and so when that happens, I'm like, only a guy would be able to re- realize that that could be a thing. Because I do have the situation where sometimes that does happen. Mm-hmm. And when I go to pee, the attendant has to like literally fish my dick out from under me because I'm like sitting on it. Oh. Or it's like kind of like under my leg a bit or something. So they yeah. like, and so guys sometimes will be like, yeah, 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 do you want me to, do you need me to like, grab it and pull it out 
And so that's pretty cool. But then <laughs> other guys are like, you need me to wash it? Can you just let the shampoo run down or something? Yeah. Like, don't worry, man. Like, a super clean penis is, like, it's kind of... Yeah. Yeah. I always just want to be like, you wash yours, right? Like, is this how you're washing your own? No. Yeah. Anyway, so I don't know if we could get any more uh, personal. Yeah, we can't get any more in-depth for sure. That's true. Yeah, we've... Yeah. The only thing I want to say is I have a lot more empathy now for women. (laughs) When they're like, it's not in. And the guy's like, it's in. Because that's what I went through today. With the urinal. I was like, it's not in. And the guy's like, it's in. I was like, it's not in. He's like, it's in. Yeah, it's in. And I was like, I promise you, something's not right. It's definitely not in. Yeah, yeah, you should be fine. And so, it's the same when a woman's like, it's not in. And the guy's like, yeah, 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 it's in, it's in. So what you're saying is, pissing yourself today made you a better feminist. <laughs> I wasn't saying that, but I will say that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to talk about a movie that we watched? TV show? Yeah, we could do that for a little bit. Did you have something else you wanted to talk about first? No, my life is really dry right now. Like, the last most interesting thing I did was go to the dentist. And my only anecdote pales in comparison to your struggles. So I just... Did your dentist tell you to start using popsicle sticks? Not for the same purpose as you, but yeah. Oh, all right. Tell the story. No, never mind. That was a weird attempt at a joke. Um, I just, every time I go to the dentist, I struggle with transferring into the dentist chair. Wait, you have to transfer? I do. My dentist just moves the chair. Yeah, they don't move shit for me. They're like, they just like <laughs> wait, uh, patiently wait for me to fucking transfer. And the arm always like protrudes out into my rib cage. And then there's absolutely nothing ever to grab onto. So you end up in this awkward kind of situation where like dentist chairs are weird. They were like, they were all manufactured in like 1952. And like, you know how they're that weird, like, uh, like tight stuffy leather. That's like totally unaccommodating. And the height of the chair is like inappropriate. Like, so I, I stand up. And then I, I can't pivot and get my ass into the seat. And the, like the dentist will see this and it's always like a small hygienist and she's not really ready or hasn't considered that she might need to help me like stand on one side and help me kind of wait bear to turn. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of like awkward moment where I don't like leaning on people who, who've never done a transfer before. Because you don't know how much of your weight you can put on them. Exactly. And I don't know how much I'll be able to weight bear in that particular moment. And I don't want to end up like leaning into them and then like shoving them into their like dental cupboards full of sharp tools that pick your teeth. It's also oddly intimate to kind of like lean on a stranger. Yes. In that moment. And if they've never, like, you know how they, like, sometimes people don't know how to hold your arm, like, when they transfer you. So you have to, like, instruct them, like, no, no, put this arm under my elbow and then hold my hand, like, take a wide stance and fucking be a wall. Just stand there, like, sway back and forth. Yeah, like, don't, don't move. Like, fucking, like, pretend this is Pilates or whatever. Yeah, you you have to, like. Can I just ask, why doesn't your dad or your mom or someone help you transfer no because they always drop me off and then like fuck off to go get lunch or something 
That's funny because your dad went in with you to get your nails clipped. For my foot doctor, I think because he was morbidly curious about like what they would say about my feet. Because, you know, like every morning he's always telling me like, your feet are blue. You better fucking deal with it, disabled Joe. And it's just. And like, he was hoping your your doctor would be like, your feet are blue. Yeah, yeah. Like they. Like, I've been telling him that. Reminisce about how incompetent I am regarding <laughs> my feet. <laughs> yeah, they just start pulling out paint swatches to compare. <laughs> uh, like they start trying to figure out the RGB value of the blueness. This morning it was a hex platform. <laughs> Anyway, that's real deep nerd shit. Yeah, yeah, really. So, so yeah, so I just don't like that moment because when the appointment starts, like, you know, you have, like, nice banter going with the lady and you feel like an adult. And then you don't know how to handle the transfer because the environment's totally inaccessible. And so you spend, like, the first 10 minutes of the appointment like trying to figure out how to get me into the fucking chair. And then they always say like, oh, your butt's not back into the seat enough. Can you push up? And then you're like, no, 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 just just lean the chair back and gravity will do the work. So it's all this weird awkwardness. And then there's spasticity and shaking involved. And you just kind of like, you know, none of it is really like effortless. Yeah. And then the appointment always runs over or under because they spent the first few minutes trying to figure out how to fucking situate me. So why would it go under? Well, they opt not to do like some other aspect of it because they don't have enough time. Oh, (laughs) well, all right. You've transferred in, but unfortunately we can't do cleaning today. Yeah. Well, you just get back in your chair (laughs) and fuck off home. We'll reschedule this to a time when, or you can just stay here till your next appointment to save the transfer. You know what's really funny, Anthony, is that my my actual dentist, like not the hygienist, is a uh, is a younger guy. He's like twenty. He's like in his late twenties, and he's really personable and like super compassionate. Because a couple times he had to give me fillings, and he like fucked up at one point because I was shaking too much. Like my right foot was shaking too much, so it like threw him off. And he actually like said he like when he had to go back to like uh do a filling like in the same area he's like do you mind if i like um rework uh, the filling on this molar just that last time you were shaking a bit too much and i kind of i messed up and i loved <laughs> that he told me that like i love yeah. that he like was straight about it <clears throat> and uh he's just like very frank about my nervousness and it was it's just like so awesome i i don't know that they must get used to it because so many people that I know just hate the dentist. Yeah, because it's like the closest thing to surgery that isn't surgery. I guess. And you're awake the whole time and the noises that happen are pretty creepy. Yeah, and it always seems like if they fuck up, they could royally injure you like in a Cronenbergian yeah. horror, like body horror kind of way. I have one crazy dentist story, actually, but I want to hear the rest of yours anyway. Oh, oh! I was gonna say my dentist kind of knows that I have a weird obsession with TV. So every time he sees me, he'll like tell me all the shit that he's watching, and he's not doing it like just to placate me. Like he actually wants to talk about TV for ten minutes. Yeah, and I kind of love that about him. Like, what a what a cool guy. Yeah, especially like to give your coworkers a break. <laughs> <laughs> I make Trello boards for like all the coworkers that I care about. And I tell them like, Hey, you got to watch this shit. Yeah, that's awesome. So you've never made a Trello board for me. 
Well, because I know you're sick of my shit, like on that subject. I, I need to watch more movies. It's just my attention span. I watch a movie while I'm eating dinner and I, I get really into it. But then that 45 minutes or whatever is up and there's still half of the movie left. And I'm like, yeah, but I should go do something. So yeah, you, the by off. the fourth popsicle stick, it's hard to focus on the plot because your jaw hurts. So you got to, you got to, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My only dentist story that I can come up with is uh, one time I had the beginning, and I, I say this with a bunch of shame, because I know <laughs> I've talked a big game about how I've never had cavities. And I stand by that. But one time I had the beginning of a cavity. Oh, no, Anthony. And I'm, I'm really sorry to have misrepresented myself like that. I just want everyone to know that it wasn't a full cavity. They didn't have to do a filling. They didn't have to do anything. They were just, she said that if I, if it got any worse, then it would probably turn into, you know, I apologize. I have half a cavity. Uh No, no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Sorry. Apparently there was this new thing on the market at the time for children who were in similar situations. And they're like, well, for children... You know, sometimes it's annoying to have to pull a tooth or fill a cavity. So they came up with this chemical compound that they can paint over the cavity or over the the beginning of a cavity to stop the rotting or whatever. Progression. Yeah, to stop the progression of the cavity literally in its tracks so that they it doesn't get any worse ever. Um, but the only downside is that tooth where they paint it on turns black. So it looks messed up. But for kids, they're like, whatever, like, they'll probably lose those baby teeth anyway, and it's not that big of a deal. Well, they offered to use it for me because they were like, it's going to be hard to get in there with a tool to do anything about it. And it's so, it, it was like my literal black tooth that you wouldn't see that it was black anyway. So they offered to do that. And she was like, the only thing is I have to put this Vaseline on your lips because if I don't, it can stain your lips black. And so she put the Vaseline on and it was kind of like a dick in a urinal situation where I was like, I don't think there's enough Vaseline on my lips. And she's like, there's enough Vaseline on my lips. I'm a dental hygienist. And I was like, okay. So she starts like painting and eventually finishes. So it looked like I swallowed some dice and there's like a black spot on one of my tooth, my teeth now. But I went home and I looked in the mirror and I had like a black mark on my lip and it was just stuck there for a good week before that lip skin went away and was replaced by new lip skin. So it just looked like someone punched you in the mouth? Yeah, it was just like my lip was like a bit darker there. It wasn't crazy, but it was enough for me to be like, I knew I needed more Vaseline. It's like you thought you had to wear like Hot Topic clothes for a week? Yeah, get like a lip piercing and yeah. eyeshadow and stuff. Yeah, like watch uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, like non-seasonally. <laughs> just get Tim Burton posters everywhere. Yeah. Start watching no fielding stand up. I don't, I don't know that one. Don't worry, it's because I don't have a Trello board. I'll rectify that. I promise. Okay, I'm not that offended. 
You'll probably be more offended by how slow you can get through those things. <laughs> I've learned uh, to ignore uh, that or not okay. to be offended by it. All right. Well, let's talk about this show. Okay. I want you, you should introduce it because you did more of the research. I just told you about it and said we should watch it. So we watched a, a Netflix uh, TV show called Special, and um, it has the unique distinction among the media that we've watched of being the first TV show written and starring an actor with cerebral palsy. Sorry, yep. written by and starring an actor with cerebral palsy. And so his name is Ryan O'Connell. Yeah, his name's Ryan O'Connell. He's uh he's my age. He's 33. He spent his 20s, I think he went to university in New York and he spent his 20s writing uh for high-profile blogs. I don't know. Th- those websites that publish those kitschy articles about millennial lifestyle. Yeah. Um and so he uh He's actually a kind of prolific. He has two books. Yeah. And this TV show, I think, is sort of loosely autobiographically based on one of his books. When did the show, when did the show come out? I, I think it was 2019. Uh, but anyway, uh, so Ryan has cerebral palsy and it's like a mild cerebral palsy. He's uh, kind of like me in posture and presentation. It affects mostly his right side and he's got some asymmetry he can stand without any kind of assistive devices or orthotics he appears to have like a 85 percent muscular definition you know like his legs are fully fleshed out uh he doesn't look like a skeleton below the waist you're talking about how able-bodied he was but while we were watching it you also was were like kind of annoyed at how much it was reminding you of yourself. Yeah. So the premise of the show is um, this young man who's 27 years old um, is basically living off settlement money uh, that his mother got uh, from the hospital for him having uh, cerebral palsy. And you never got any CP money? I never got any CP money, nor did my sister. That's messed up. At least I don't think I did, or I never asked. I mean, I don't know. Did Andrew get CP money? I don't know. I don't think so. But I do know people who have gotten CP money. I, I, I guess it just depends on the circumstances of why you have CP. Like if sometimes it's just an unfortunate accident, but I guess sometimes it can be the result of like malpractice. I don't think it was malpractice uh, on two separate occasions. We were, we were born in different hospitals. I think it was more a pre-existing condition. Did you ever sue your mom? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm sure I've tortured her. <laughs> so the premise of the show is like, you know, this disabled guy lives with his mom and his mom loves him like very dearly and earnestly. And she's a nurse herself and she's a really good person. She's played wonderfully by a woman, Anne Hecht, I think. Cover mom. We've covered her archetype before. We have, yeah, but she's, I don't know, man. She's definitely more dimensional than any hover mom we've seen on any other show before. Mm-hmm. Her her love comes from a good place, and yeah. she doesn't appear to have any kind of desire to control Ryan. She just wants to make sure he's okay. And it is it is definitely to his detriment, 
but there's also such like uh, the show's authenticity comes from the the parent child dynamics between Ryan and his mom. In any case, they live together, and Ryan is really fed up with disabled life. He feels super isolated. He's lost contacts with uh, friends from university. He doesn't have many. Uh, like it, it appears that his physiotherapist is his closest friend apart from his own mother. There's no dad in the picture. The show is eight episodes, but they're only 15 minutes each. So it's kind of like a two hour film. Ryan uh, gets hit by a car, unfortunately, like while he's on a walk, I think. Like a pretty mild hit. Yeah, it it, it sort of uh, causes him some fine motor issues on his left side, which sort of amplifies uh, his disability in a way because that's his strong side. Um, but he recovers from that incident within a month, and then he gets a job with a, with a lifestyle magazine. And the show is just about him trying to integrate into the workplace. And he also lies to his coworkers about the nature of his disability. He attributes his limp, as he calls it, to, um, to the car accident rather than CP, because I guess having a congenital disability is somehow worse than becoming disabled because it implies that you've known at some point what it meant to be able-bodied. And so the show sort of uh, assumes that the audience would immediately think that that is less stigmatized. Do you think that's the case? No, I don't fucking agree with that. it, It seems like a fucking contrivance. But then you go and read about like Ryan O'Connell's actual life and he does like assert that he spent most of his 20s telling people that he was in a car accident and never actually using the term cerebral palsy. Really? Yeah, it was only the kids that that he grew up with in high school in a smaller town in California that really knew that he was disabled. But why do you think that that would resonate more with people? Like, why does that gain you more sympathy points? I don't think it does. I think he's just sort of like uh, taking advantage of people's ignorance. Like, because most people don't know anything about disability. So, so th- Is it purely based on insecurity? On his part? Yeah, I think so. But also he needs kind of a hook to drive this TV show. No, but I'm talking about in his real life. Honestly, it's feel, it, it honestly feels like to me that people knew that whatever issues he had was more than just a car accident. Like it was a joke. Like we've all made jokes before about, yeah, I'm like this because I didn't eat my vegetables or whatever. Well, no one's ever going to question why you're in a wheelchair. People's never questioned it. I get kids all the time coming up to me like, what happened? No, I don't. I don't mean like that. I mean, like like people will question it, but people won't question the answer you give them. They're not going to fucking ask follow-up questions. I mean, I guess it depends. If I was like, you don't eat your vegetables, you become one, it might eventually (laughs) be like that. Or like, I I wanted to meet Russell Crowe and he punched me in the back of the head or something like that. Do you think, it's hard to be objective here because we're both born disabled, but do you think that society has more sympathy for a genetic disability or even something like CP where just from birth or an injury like a accident that isn't your fault not not like I jumped into a pool and I was drunk and it was I was dumb 
but like so the- I was in a car accident or a biking accident or something and I broke my neck and now I'm paralyzed. I, I think the distinction is that, you know, if an able-bodied person gets into an accident that is not their fault and they become disabled, when another able-bodied person hears that story, they think that could just as easily happen to me. But if you say, I've had this since I was born, it almost alleviates their concern for you. Because yeah. on the one hand, it means you've had more time to cope. And then on the other, it means that it'll never happen to them because they were already born without a disability. You know what right. I mean? So you're not a cautionary tale. Yeah. That's yeah. true. Like, that's probably why I always want to know why someone died. Yeah, that's very true. Like, if, if someone's like 30 years old and they find out they died, I'm like, how'd they die? Yeah. They were sitting in front of their computer too long. I'm like, what? (laughs) But if they're like, they were doing somersaults off a bridge. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. okay. How'd they die? Oh, it was the 11th popsicle stick. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So I get that. I can understand that people might appreciate it better. But then the question becomes, is a car accident the same thing? I guess so, right? Because people are like, I've been in a car accident. Damn, I'm lucky I'm not disabled. Yeah, or I've made a stupid decision on the road that could have easily turned into a car accident. Thank right. God, or something like that. The yeah. The one thing that I found uh, when I was reading about this show is that Ryan has never acted before. He's written profusely, and he's quite a good writer. Like, There's a lot of really uh, funny jokes throughout this show. Yeah, there's one character who I love. Yeah, I know. His uh, his boss who runs yeah. the magazine is like a total fucking sociopath. And she she's constantly encouraging her underlings to write about their deepest traumas in the most exploitative ways, like for clicks. And just yeah. the way she talks, it's like it's like this like acerbic fucking psychopath. And it, it's, it's also it's, just a really good performance. Yeah, yeah. But you can tell that when he's writing it, like that's his soul coming through. Yeah, that that is the root of his sense of humor. That is him completely uninhibited, and it's yeah. annoying that he can't allow like his surrogate character to be that to be that cutting. Yeah, when I felt like his character, uh, it didn't really surprise me that he hasn't acted. Like, I mean, he did a great job. Good and. I, I commend him for starring in his own role because like, as we've talked about, you know, nobody else should be doing that. It should be him. The The interesting thing about this show is that there, there's kind of two things going on. It's that there's this, this meta level of, of the show's production and of Ryan himself, the creator who is disabled and you can actually see his disability on screen. And like, there's a scene in the first episode where his boss uh, doesn't realize yet that he's a talented writer, and so she she relegates him to mail duty, like snail mail duty. This is triggering for you. It, it was. I couldn't fucking watch it. It was so hard. <laughs> so he like there's a scene where he's sitting there at his at the desk, and like he's just trying to open mail, and uh, like my dad hands me like paper mail 
like multiple times a week. And I think he, he like, he takes some sort of twisted joy in like giving me a piece of mail and then like standing there for a moment and watching me wonder what to do because he'll, he'll, he'll can you wait, sorry, next time that happens, can you please video call me? <laughs> yes. So I can watch you open the mail. Honestly, I will, because this is the thing he does. He'll come and be like, you got a bill in the mail, Joe. And then he'll, he'll like hand it to me. I'm not sure if we've ever talked about why he calls me Joe, but that's like a whole other 90 minutes of a podcast. Yeah, yeah, we, we have actually. Oh, we have? Okay, this, never mind. So he'll hand me a piece of mail and then and then I'll, I'll stare at it for a second and decide if I need to open it or not. And then a second later, like, like a letter opener will appear in my field of view and he'll be like, you got to use a letter opener because you want to make sure you don't tear the contents of the letter with your spastic hands. And and then so he's like, do you know how to use Does this? Does he actually say spastic hands? No, he, like <laughs> he'll, he'll some other euphemistic turn of phrase or whatever, but like that's what he's fucking saying. Right. But what would, I, I'm just curious what he would actually say. And my, okay, I should preface like my dad is not actually a dickhead. He's just occasionally insensitive. You just love doing that voice. I do. Yeah. I do. Cause I, cause all my shoulds, all my psychological, all my psychological shoulds are said in that voice. Yeah. Anytime you're like, I don't think I should go out today. The COVID numbers are getting pretty high. I don't think I should eat this piece of cake, Mr. Self. I, uh, <laughs> I've eaten too many calories today and not been on my bike. You know, maybe it's a good time to not have pizza this Friday. <laughs> so, okay, he gives you a letter opener. Yeah. And then what, just chaos? It's just the worst. Because, like, uh, I hate it. You got to <laughs> stick the letter opener in the piece of mail. I really, really want to see you do <laughs> Like, I, you know... Six times out of ten, I can get like the the sweep motion to like actually rip the mail open. But there's always like a forty percent chance that it'll just I'll just get a wrong angle and just flick the thing out into my own face. How are you with scissors? I I was forbidden from using scissors in primary school. My SSP had to do all my <laughs> art projects for me, and like all the all the people like you know how you used to have art days in grade six where you'd yeah. spend a whole day like like fashioning some bullshit out of paper mache. Oh, I love those days. Yeah, like I did too. I really enjoyed them, but my student support people usually did 98% of the work unless right. there was some illustrative component where I could draw with pencil crayons. But then all the all the students who cared about that day and wanted to do a good job, they hated me for it. They're like, "How come Jamie doesn't have to use this awful glue?" Right. And how come he doesn't have to work with like uh, wax paper? Did you take all the credit if it was good and all the, and pass all the blame if it was bad? I don't know. I'd like to say that I that I didn't, but that would be totally revisionist. I was probably like really happy not to have to use my hands in an yeah. unnecessary way. I remember feeling guilty because one of my pieces was so good, but it was just glue. Like, we just had to cut and then glue. So I didn't do anything but tell him what I wanted. <laughs> and then he had to do it. I mean, he did a fantastic job. And it turned out really cool. But it was like, I can't really take credit for this. Well, but you have self-directed cooking. And you end up with, like, some of the best cuisine in your building. And that's not because the attendant that helped you is particularly good at cooking. You're just good at directing. 
it definitely always is better if the person has helped me can cook. <laughs> yeah, like you can't coach an idiot to cook for you. It would be hilarious, actually, if there was a cooking show where like disabled chefs. Uh, I've thought about this. <laughs> like Master Chef cripples. Yeah, yeah, Master Chef. But cripples. everyone has like a surrogate. But yeah, they're like, they have to just do exactly what you say. Yeah, the surrogate is like some 22-year-old male shithole bachelor that can't even make a grilled cheese. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'd be so good. They're like, boil water. And they're like, what? How do I boil water? I should say, I'm sure there's some shithole bachelor women, too, who can't cook as well. Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's just And the they should thing. also be shitty surrogates. I'm just picturing an array of, like, puffy Seth Rogans who are just like, ha, 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 ha. Why aren't you, you need some duck card feet. That's a terrible Seth Rogen. You sound like the cookie monster. <laughs> he he does like pottery and stuff now. Does he? Yeah, he's like selling pottery paraphernalia. COVID has done strange things to people. Yeah. So your letter opener has nearly made you blind. Yeah, if I ever lose an eye, it will be from my dad's fucking letter opener. <laughs> but yeah, so there's a whole scene where Ryan does this for like several minutes. And he's like picking away at the mail with his spastic fingers and I'm like, oh my God, that's me. I can't watch this. I, and he's not acting like he's actually doing it. And there are other scenes where like he's walking and you just know he's tired and he needs to sit down and he's still just walking for the scene. And like there's scenes where he like is doing a little victory dance because he won because he periodically won the attention of a guy that he's hot for. Or like jumping on his bed in his new apartment after he like signs the lease. And it, it's like, it's like slightly humiliating for me, but not because of him, <laughs> but because it feels like I'm looking in a fucking mirror and I'm like, oh, that's how ridiculous I look when I dance. Or that's, that's how silly I look when I'm opening mail. Or that's how goofy it is when I'm walking. And I don't know, just the, kind of like the way he's framed throughout the show it's like there's always like him the disabled guy and then like everyone else and it's sort of amplified by the fact that he can't really act so he's so there are a lot of scenes where you're just supposed to glean how he's feeling from the look on his face and he doesn't really have a mastery of the looks that he's trying to convey so it just kind of looks goofy and i'm being an ableist piece of shit by saying this yeah. because fundamentally fundamentally it's really good and you know i should be putting my what am i trying to say i should like i should write something before i'm able to even say this kind of right. shit or exactly. i should just not say this shit whatsoever but this is ableism and the show does explore that like he gets called out on many occasions there's one episode where he gets angry that someone sets him up with a deaf guy uh because he doesn't because he hasn't fully come out of the cripple closet and he's like why are you putting me with some other uh with a deaf guy i can do better meanwhile the deaf guy is fucking gorgeous it's so real yeah and then he says like oh i could do better which is like the definition of ableism yeah no you can't the guy's way handsomer than you you fuck face <laughs> and so like you get you kind of get mad at him sometimes and he's always talking about it like oh i you know i have no friends and 
you know, like my, my, I can't get rid of my mom. She's always buzzing around me. And then like, meanwhile, like there's a whole arc where his mother uh, meets the, the guy next door, like a, like a 50 something available, like former firefighter, like really handsome, very patient, very personable, very funny, very accommodating. Chuck from Better Call Saul. Yeah. Who's actually, again, another very good actor, like HBO caliber actor. And then here we have Ryan O'Connell, who's never fucking taken an acting class in his life. But meanwhile, he's the fucking figurehead of this show. And I don't know why I'm pissed about that. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I don't know either. Like, he should be the figurehead of the show. I mean, he should be because he's the auteur and he is the voice behind it. And it's his lived experience. And Would you rather see Christian Bale trying to play CP? The problem is that I'm coming head to head with, with a contradiction. Like with 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 some fundamental fucking uh, hypocrisy in myself, because how many times have we said on this on this podcast, like yeah, you know James Gandal or sorry, <laughs> James McAvoy it was really good in you know Irish cripple bromance movie, but yeah. but you know he wasn't disabled and therefore inauthenticity uh, takes you out of the experience, and then. I finally get a guy that looks like me in a staggering way, like to the point where things that I might have attributed to my personality are actually a product of my fucking disability. You know what I mean? Like, like, like physical traits of me that are not actually me. It's my shit. It's, it's my body. I'm becoming incredibly neurotic right now in this moment, but it's really hard to watch so hard to watch there are so many times where i had to look away from the screen like just just from just from ryan doing normal shit like like dancing like in his living room with his uh friend co-worker who he's growing closer to who again is so funny and so warm and they have many like revelatory discussions together the the friendship like despite the short running length of of the average episode is still conveyed you know very convincingly and yet i'm i'm watching this thing hung up on how ryan is dancing and worried that that's how i fucking look it's so dumb because you think that you see too much of yourself in it yes but then also there are little details about the show that seem uh like narrative shorthand kind of lazy or overly sparse uh, because Ryan is somewhat tailoring to people's expectations of what disability is. Again, this whole high, this whole idea that he could lie about having CP that he could just say like, Oh, I, uh, I bumped my leg in a car accident and therefore that's why my hands are useless for most things. doesn't make sense. That's why I have astigmatism in my left eye. That's why I frequently bite my lower lip in awkward ways when I get overly excited while talking. I know it isn't because you had a fucking stroke when you were born, dumbass. Why are you hiding that from people? And why is that shitty? And why don't you tell people that you have CP and you're not even that disabled and fuck off? There's a lot here, though. I I think part of it, well, a big part of it is your internalized ableism. Yeah. But I think part of it is that you almost resent that he is talking about, and I might be wrong, but it feels like you're resenting that 
he's talking about his disability when he's not even ha- as disabled as you. But the thing is, is that he hits the nail on the fucking head so frequently that I can't even make that argument. Because in the opening scene of the first episode, there's a discussion between him and his physiotherapist where he talks about being in limbo. And I have used that word multiple times. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, to to describe what it's like when you are uh, disabled enough that you can't really participate in all of the dimensions of able-bodied life, but you also can't go to the power chair party because people will look at you with shifty eyes being like, what are you doing here? Or I'm certain that you're judging me in some way that I can't control. And I'm certain that your definition of disability or your willingness to accept your limitations is somehow hampered. I'm sure you're just a speaker box for the uh, for the hostility that your parents have toward your your issues, which is what a lot of like middling wheelies turn into this kind of centrist motherfucker in the middle of it all. Do you get resentful when you see me, who is I'm proud to say way more disabled than you? No, because you've dealt with a lot of things like in an incredibly amicable way that I know that I couldn't deal with myself. Okay. So when you've said that you feel like you're in limbo, do you get jealous of people who are more disabled, more disabled than you? I don't think so. I get jealous of their, I get jealous of their intelligence. Some I jealous is the wrong word. Like it is fundamentally a respect. I'm I'm kind of jealous of of Ryan because I feel like he's so sort of mishandled some of these things, and I feel like I, I fundamentally like if I'm really being honest, like I I know that it would take many years, but I feel like I could do better, or I feel like I also need to contribute to what he's done because you know if that is presently like the level of the discourse about disability from other disabled people, then we're almost obligated to contribute well i think this is a form of contribution it is definitely but it is less sort of distilled you know it's more it's it's longer form and lesser structure right i mean we've talked many times about writing something and i still think that's a fun exercise regardless and we we still should yeah, but you and I, you and I would make an entire episode about, about this. The pop, pop, you and I would make an entire episode about the popsicle stick debacle. You know, like we, we, we would never. Okay, so I mentioned this show once on this podcast already. Episodes back, we were talking about various shows with disability, and I brought this show up. And I think in that episode, I used the word glossy to describe it and i still stand by that i think it was very superficial entry level sort of like diet soda version of disability yeah it like every every episode sort of on some level feels like a pithy list listicle that would appear on buzzfeed like it's written to that level there's a cattiness to it yeah but i think that is his voice it is to a point. I think that's what he thinks he needs to be in order to connect with his audience, like 
from the start. And I think season two of the show, season two of the show will hopefully be a lot better. And that is not to undermine what he's done because there's a lot of, there's a lot of good here. Uh, And if our viewers want to watch something that connects with me almost to the point of utter embarrassment, then they like they, they they have to watch this because they will glean the most about the disabled experience from watching this show. And it's not necessarily watching the story beats of the narrative on display. It's literally just watching Ryan perform and how other actors perform around him. For fuck's sake, there's a scene in this show or 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 a setup in this show where uh Ryan gets called out for wearing laceless shoes because you know he's gay and uh one of his friends who he's trying to pursue something romantic with is chastising him for wearing tacky shoes every day and so he decides one day that he's going to wear shoes with laces and so he can he obviously can't tie the laces which I can't tie as well and I I feel terrible about that that feels like some sort of uh smaller representation for my shortcomings on the whole but the laces thing is something that <laughs> sticks to me i know it's stupid right but the thing is like so yeah so there's a, a plot point where ryan tucks his laces at the start of the day under his shoe and then uh he like has a work day and then goes for coffee with this guy who initially called him out and the guy like very kindly like uh starts to tie his shoes for him it's like a gesture like a, almost like a romantic gesture or yeah. a moment of tenderness like it's actually, like the same thing as like brushing someone's hair under their face and it's played that way and it like that is the that's the person's intent and ryan's reaction is to run away and that, that like that that seems like a stupid melodramatic like that seems like something he would do in service of the plot because when he doesn't like because when he runs away, he actually trips and falls and it becomes this whole uh, slapstick sort of uh, mishap. And that would never happen in real life. Like, that's just stupid. Maybe. I mean, maybe it happened to him. I love when people tie my shoes because I don't want to tie them. Fuck, everyone should tie my shoes. Sure. What I was going to ask is, do you think that he's right about the fact that maybe... This is what level, like, I don't know if you're so much mad at Ryan for writing the show the way he did, because whether or not it's him, I I still think that it's his voice. But even if it isn't, I think that's just, I think you're really misplacing that anger towards society, because you wish, and I'm on board with this, I, we, I think we can... I can speak for both of us and say that we both wish society was further along so that we didn't have to only see this genre of disabled storytelling. Yeah, it's wearing kid gloves, even though on many levels. Well, I don't even know if that's true. Remember when like, there was that one scene where he, uh, spoiler alert, loses his virginity. Yeah, that's another thing. Like, um, I didn't have a problem with the sex scenes in the John Hawks movie, uh, the sex therapist uh, Iron Lung film. On seeing a sex surrogate, uh, 
Yeah. Is that movie called? The Sessions. Right. Yeah. I did not have a problem with those scenes. And they were pretty cute. They're meant to be like tender and almost sexless, but like kind of awkward. Right. And I didn't and the the the, the scene here felt the same way. Ryan does have to hire a sex worker because he doesn't have the confidence yet to be intimate with a person in his life. And right. the sex worker is like totally destigmatized and like, again, played very well. The dude is like totally patient. The whole point of the scene is for it not to shine, shine, shy away from like the actual intercourse. And I feel like I'm using that word to. You're shying away from it. Yeah. To my point, like, there's no passion in that scene. It's just sort of kind of awkward. It's like played for the the cuteness. And I'm kind of tired of that. Like, how come how come a wheelie can't just have like all out? But how can you be tired of it when it doesn't even exist? Well, because I'm tired of that being the trope of that being the standard. Like, oh, when it's a wheelie, you have to be gentle and everything has to be new and they can't have any amount of experience. It's like if Andrew was to do a sex scene, he wouldn't settle for that bullshit. Just half an hour of the guy like asking, oh, is it in? Is it? In? I sure hope it's in. Oh, is this sex? Oh, this is great. I don't even think it was that bad of a scene. I, I thought the actor did a pretty good job. I'm just saying that most sex scenes like have have some heat, some blood in them, you know, some passion. Cheeks are flush. Yeah, but that wasn't the point. It was super transactional. Because he was doing it just to lose his virginity. I know, and but then that 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 is like incredibly sexless, is it not? Like, because that's not the point of sex. Well, maybe not for you, but for some people, they just need to lose their virginity. Okay, so I'm tired of the "I just need to lose my virginity" sex scene in cripple movies, and and Ryan seems like the type of dude who's like audacious and fearless and whatever other courageous adjectives you can use. Like to just, you know, have the sex that other fucking people have with blood in their veins and actual libidos. So you think that that was not based in his reality? Probably not. I don't know. But if it was, would you feel better about it? Yeah. So this is actually because you think he's misrepresenting himself and not necessarily misrepresenting the community of disabled people as a whole. Yeah. He's sort of like he has leveraged this opportunity and done it to a greater extent than any other disabled media that I have seen so far, with the exception of Crip Camp. But again, he should be doing more. Like, I honestly think that Andrew's documentary was more authentic to him than this show. I wouldn't put this show second to Crip Camp. I think it's, I don't think it's top three in my list. Wow. Like, I, I thought that, I think it's great. The more voices we have, the more perspectives we have, the better. But mm-hmm. I don't think it really dove very deep into disability. Mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that that was not representative of his experience. Just based on a handful of things I've seen him in, I think his sense of humor and probably as a result, his style of writing did come through in the show. But it's it's annoying because the whole conflict with his mother about them being codependent and him telling her that she needs to get a life. But then when she does him telling her that she's she's neglecting, 
She's she's being neglectful. And th- and that that push me pull me dynamic doesn't feel realistic because like he is fairly able-bodied and I feel like the show like overemphasizes how supposedly useless he is in the accomplishment of everyday tasks. And they they just do that in order to again manufacture drama. Like I find it hard to believe that he couldn't just hire uh, attractive attendants to help him with the odd thing that he needs opening his mail and tying his shoelaces, which appears to be the full extent of his suffering. That annoys me because it's because it's melodramatic. It feels like you're making baseless accusations. I know. I know. And I got I just got to get this shit off my chest. The other thing is the scene where he finally admits to his coworkers that he has cerebral palsy. It's like a bald man, like a visibly bald man admitting that he has no hair. So stupid. I don't know. I don't think that's actually true. I think it was super obvious to you and to us as a viewer because the whole show was about CP and literally the first dialogue in the movie in the show is about him very awkwardly, candidly saying this is what CP is in a way that didn't feel like anyone's voice. And that's when the show was like... When he gave the clinical definition of CP, it felt like he was just quoting a doctor. And he was talking to like an eight-year-old. Yeah. It was, I, I think it was supposed to be purely funny because it's it, the first part is he does like a, a face plant onto the sidewalk that was pretty hilariously timed. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe this show is more like slapstick disability, which I was on board with. But then it also felt like it was also trying to prove points or teach people something at the same time and it just felt dissonant to me when you're doing both of those things at the same time but i would love to talk to him and ask him why he thought that it was a good choice to tell people that he was in a car accident rather than tell people he had cp maybe i'm not angry at him but rather the fact that people are actually gullible enough to believe that. That's what I'm saying. I think you're angry at the fact that this is what society is eating up. This is what Netflix decided to buy. Yeah. But we also don't know how many things they get offered. Like you said, neither one of us have written anything. So it's kind of hard to criticize when we haven't done anything. Yeah. And I I totally appreciate that. And, I apologize to Mr. O'Connell if I have slandered him in any way or hurt his feelings. That fucking, the show is, is, is good. It's just frustrating. Well, it's fair to be upset by it. This is the most upset that I've ever been about yeah. a piece of disabled media. And it's for, it's for a good reason. You know, like I was upset at Eddie Confetti Redmayne because he's an asshole. Uh, Still disagree. Yeah, like legitimately a piece of shit. Still very hard to disagree. Oh my God. Just like the most vacuous portrayal of Hawking ever. But my anger like toward this work is because it's good. Well, your anger because of towards this is because it forced you to look in a mirror you weren't ready to look in yet. Yeah. It's like, it's like seeing yourself naked when you don't want to. Yeah. It's like, oh, is that really what I fucking look like? I've done that before 
just to make myself uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable. It's so funny. Like when I'm going for a walk sometimes, like, and I have like the adrenaline going, I literally feel like a runner. You know, I feel like an athlete. Yeah. And in my head, like, you know, the music's going and my heart's going and I'm kicking it. Yeah, ass. like chariot to fire. Yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm just like, I'm relishing the feeling that I'm going to have when I finally sit down in 20 minutes. And I'm like, yeah, I'm the fucking buffs. Picture you are on a run and or, but like you're going for a walk in your walker and yeah. you are like, you're feeling so uh, good with yourself yeah. and like you're picturing how you're looking yeah. and it's like Terry the fire is playing. You're moving flawlessly down the street. Yeah. I'm like non-terminal Terry Fox. Like, but, but I still have the, I still have the prosthetic, but I'm not going to die. What? Sorry. Keep going. <laughs> it was an attempt at a dark joke. It's real dark. I'm sorry. You don't wear prosthetics. <laughs> Where are you going? <laughs> All right. Well, the thing about Terry Fox is that he stopped his run in Thunder Bay, so he's kind of like a hero around here. Oh, so you can make jokes like that? I can't. <laughs> I totally can't, but I tried. The thing about Terry Fox is he ended in Thunder Bay, so I can make fun of him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing, like, it's like this grandiose, like, like you know, in all the rom-coms where the wind is blowing and there's like a yellow glow to the shot. Yeah. And like girls are turning their head towards you yeah. as you strut past them. Yeah. And then it cuts abruptly to another person, another angle where it's like you just like dragging your feet. There's yeah. like a trail of blood behind you from like like your toes or something. Yeah, I used to wear steel toe boots and I would wear the rubber all the way down to the hole, like to the to the gap between the steel plate and the shoe. And I, I would eventually start wearing holes in my socks. Well, that would be so funny to me. Yeah, my feet my feet would start getting bloodied. I think that would be a hilarious like juxtaposition of of what you think you look like versus yeah. what you actually look. No, the funny part was was like I would I'd go to the LU track and I'd be doing my eighth lap and I'd think I was the fucking man, and then like a seventy six year old mom would just blow past me like at like yeah. a modest pace. You look up and your lap time is like 38 minutes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's some... See, this is why we need to do some writing. If if at the very least to get the weird amputee jokes out of your system. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, this could even... That could even just be like a two-minute YouTube sketch or something. Yeah, it seems very much in the vein of um, of that other... Of that famous YouTube guy who does his workout segments. What's his oh, name? Oh, yeah, we should cover that. Zach Anner. We'll have to cover that another time. Our listeners should totally uh, check out Zach Anner. He's so fucking hilarious. We've talked about him before. I I don't think we have, have we? I've brought him up and you, I don't think you knew who he was at that point. Yeah. And then you showed me a few of his videos and I burst yeah. out laughing like three times. Yeah. You hated that you liked it too. Because again, it was a bit of a mirror. But anyway, let's not go into that because we're going to review him for another episode. Yep. And I think I kind of reached the end here regarding a special. Okay, well, I mean, internalized ableism is a very good topic for the show to talk about. And I think it does a pretty good job, a good enough job 
of discussing that. There's that one, honestly, like the best part of this show is in the second last episode, right after he goes on that date with the deaf guy, like you talked about, uh, because he was set up with that deaf guy who happens to be the cousin of the sociopathic uh, boss of the Egg Woke, which is the writing firm. And there's a hilarious scene that's just gold from start to finish. <laughs> it starts out with her like uh, <laughs> texting her mom hilariously. I don't want to recite any of it because it was just so well written that it, you should just go listen to it. Yeah, we watched it like six times. It was the best part of the whole show to me. I really wish that that caliber of humor yeah. was everywhere in the show. And I think it, that was the, the the best part to me because it most clearly and most directly addressed internalized ableism, which the whole show was subtly hinting towards the yeah. whole time. But I feel like, like you said, it had its kid gloves on for so much of it. Yeah, for everything other than those two minutes. It honestly felt like his boss was speaking to us directly. Yeah, it was so good. I, I, I kind of want to, I hope there's a, a, there's a clip of it on YouTube. We can link to it in the notes. Or we could put the timestamp on that specific episode. Because people got to watch that shit. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Unfortunately, like it's the best part of the show. So, like, if you go in just for that, yeah, you know, the rest of the show might, might not match your expectations. But she is also just a really fantastic character in the show. But I think again, I don't think you're mad at him. I think you're mad at society and maybe TV where it's at for not doing anything better. But Maybe Netflix wants to do something better, but nobody has done it better. And to be fair to Ryan, you got to start somewhere. And you can't just immediately go all the way to the darkest show ever or like the realest show ever. Sometimes you have to like ease people into these issues. Ryan in the show didn't even know what internalized ableism was. Yeah, he had to learn about the phrase from his boss, who's like, really? You've never heard of the term? Like, check Twitter for 30 seconds, you'll find like 100 references. Yeah, I almost wanted to play the clip on this, but I was like, yeah, we can't do that. I don't want to drive traffic away from the show. <laughs> for spoilers? But, well, no, I just, I think people should go watch the show. He deserves the numbers. But I, I just, I agree with you that, the show could have been better, but I just think it's because you saw a glimpse of all of the possibilities. And I don't think it's his fault for not doing everything the way you wish he was going to do it. Mm -hmm. I think it's just his attempt is a very good attempt. I think it does what it's supposed to do very well. I've said this before, but it's really hard to fully appreciate any single piece of disability media because there's so little of it so when you see one piece of it it's hard to not forget that that's not everything because it 
does represent a large majority of what's out there. Just because there isn't that much disabled content, really. You think, like it's it's the same for a lot of other minorities. Yeah. Like before the TV show Transparent, like what did trans people have? Like fucking Buffalo Bill from The Silence of the Lambs. Exactly. Exactly. And like Asian people, Black people, any minority, if you see yourself on the screen, you're like, really? That's all you've got? But we do have to start somewhere. Like, look how long it got for us to get a movie like Crazy Rich Asians. And even still, the Asian community is still getting absolutely shit on right now with uh, all of the insane hate crimes that are happening. Yeah. I don't know. All that to say, like, you're right. It had a lot of potential, but I think it is disability media and not necessarily this show in particular. I think this show did a pretty good job of a first season. I just think we are rushing now, and in our minds we're like, okay, if that can be there, maybe that means we can write our own thing or have some other thing come up with disability. And maybe you're right. Maybe that's awesome. I would just have it be a bunch of vignettes, like you at the dentist. or I think the only thing we can do is start creating content ourselves whether it's writing or doing little little sketches and stuff. But like, if you want it to be done a certain way, do it yourself. Speaking of sketches, you want to do a wheel breakers? Do you have one? Mm -hmm. Okay. Wheel breakers. I really want to get like a intro to this segment. Yeah. Hopefully we'll make more friends and they can create a jingle for us. But, uh, so, okay. How about this? You're fully able-bodied, but every time you have to take a piss, an inept straight dude has to hold your dick. Inept? Yeah, like one of those like attendants who suddenly lose their depth perception when they have to point your dick into a urinal. So I, what is the consequence? I'm going to pee on myself every time? There's a good chance. Yeah, you're going to have to deal with that stress every time you got to take a leak. I have to bring a blow dryer with me everywhere I go? Mm-hmm. Or a change of pants? And if you don't have your attendant with you at the time, you have to ask somebody at the party to hold your dick. But luckily, drunk guys at the bar, as I said, are very accommodating. Wait, wait, wait. I have to ask a random stranger every time if there isn't Stop. a designated dick. I, I don't know what a D word is for valet. Yeah, no, no. A straight guy has to hold your dick. Ugh. And he's okay with it. it. Like, you're not forcing him. No, like, so this is how it would go down every time. I'd be like, hey, guys, I had a pee. Someone mind coming in, hold my dick? They'd be like, what? Yeah, yeah, so, like, I used to be disabled. <laughs> and then my friend Jamie, he was like, well, I'll make you able-bodied, but, like, you're just going to have to get someone to hold your dick. <laughs> and I chose a deal. Like, they would just say no, probably. I'd have to get, like, friends that would be, like, cool with it. Be like, all right, guys, I'm DD. Who's dick holder? <laughs> DH. Yeah, like I, we got the the designated driver. Who's the designated dicker? Yeah, you're like perpetually dehydrated because there's a always a scarcity of dick holders. Yeah, your friends start like not inviting you to the party. Like, hey, like, so the last time, like, I was holding your dick and you peed on me. 
So, like, I get it. It might have been my fault. But I just don't want to ever hold your dick again. No, dude. No, you would do it, eh? Luckily, even though I complained today about how sometimes I have to change my pants, like, <laughs> if I spill, it doesn't happen that often. That's good. Because, you know, they, they figure it out pretty quick. As soon as someone spills it one time, they pretty much get after that the importance of making sure everything's right. So if every time it's going to be some inept guy, the amount of anxiety it causes, first of all, when I when I know it doesn't feel right, yeah, it's so much harder to start peeing. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, because you... everything in my body is like, it's not going to work, guy. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah, going to pee true. on yourself. Yeah, your bladder knows, man. It's wise. Even today, it was like, I I have to pee so bad right now because I stopped peeing halfway through. You know how high that is. Oh, motherfucker, that hurts. It's so bad because I was like, I can't. I'm just peeing on myself and this is just nonsense. If I keep going, it's going to end up on my seat cushion or something. Yeah. Like holding your pee midstream is like closing the doors in the Overlook Hotel, like the elevator doors. It's like those, them shits can't close, man. There's way, there's way too much fluid. What's an Overlook Hotel? Don't worry about it. You didn't like the shining. Oh, when it yeah, spills out into the hallway. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, once those elevator doors are opening, it's to close them is fucking. That movie's so overrated. No, it isn't. Who who cares where Johnny is? You gotta watch Room Two Three Seven, okay? Nah, I don't. Mm, Tony, it better not be on the Trello board. <laughs> I gotta figure out how to justify that Danny's disabled. Um, give me a second. I I have a wheel breaker, but now I forget what it was. We can just end there. It's been a long episode. It was related to something you said in this episode. About special? Dentist chair? Letter opener? All right, I've got one. It's not very good, but I can give you all of your able-bodied powers, but you still can't tie your own shoes. It would be harder to explain to people why you couldn't tie them, and people would be constantly... I think it would be easier than having people hold your dick for you. I mean, I have a... Jackass coworker that walks around without his shoes tied all the time, and I keep hoping he'll fall over. I thought you were gonna be like, "I have a nice dick." People want to hold that shit. No comment. So, do you think that people would? I don't know. I think people would be like, "Oh, it's kind of." I have a soft spot for people who are illiterate. If I find out someone can't read, I immediately want to like help them do anything. It's also like if I see an old man struggling that makes my heart melt and so i think that there's probably people who would see that you can't tie your own shoe and be like that's so cute oh i'll help them tie a shoe it might be patronizing well they don't think it's cute now so why would they suddenly think it was cute if i was able-bodied well it's not cute now because like of course you can't tie a shoe <laughs> but if you're able-bodied you're like oh i wonder like he must have had like a terrible childhood or Something must have happened. Do you don't even think you could like turn it into like a fun thing? I mean, you could just wear Velcro shoes for the rest of your life. Yeah, but that seems like a. I'd rather wear a fanny pack everywhere. That's so lame. Velcro shoes. Would you rather wear a wheelchair? That Velcro shoes are for kids named Cody under the age of nine. So you're saying you'd rather be in a wheelchair and not be able to tie your shoes, 
than walk around and not be able to tie your shoes? Just like the the weird juxtaposition of competency versus incompetency doesn't add up. But people would just think I was. But you're not losing any ability. You're gaining ability. You're just not gaining all of them. Look, ultimately, it's not that huge a sacrifice. So I, I would take it definitely. Yeah, it seems like a no-brainer. I, but I would trip and fall a lot more frequently, which would maybe make me disabled again. So you would never wear Velcro shoes? Very seldomly would I wear Velcro shoes. What about Don't like be those, a sexy Velcro shoe. What about the Vans checker slip-ons? I don't know. You're more fucking style literate than I am. Do you know what I'm talking about? Not a clue, man. Look yeah, at me. Look do. at my hair. Look at my clothes. You wear slip-on loafers. But only, yeah. I don't think it'd be that big. Of, I don't even know why it took you so long. All right. Fair enough. Let me, let's just do a few more um, tongue twisters to wrap it up. Sure, sure. You want me to send you this link so you can read some? Yes. Is this building to something? Why is this worth it? It's not. <laughs> I just don't know how to end these ever. We can just say bye. No, we have to do something better than buy. <laughs> you don't about like goodbyes? Nine, I don't like goodbyes, because what if my mom never comes back? Oh, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> you have to laugh this time. <laughs> she leaves Tony down by the seashore. <laughs> <laughs> the funny thing is, her name was Sharon. <laughs> so it fits perfectly. <laughs> I bet your first name is actually Shoni. <laughs> Sharon says Shoney shouldn't stay at home. <laughs> See, it was leading to something. Sharon says Shoney shouldn't stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> Sharon left Shoney down by the seashore. <laughs> I'm more confident leaving it there, honestly. Have you ever tried to go anywhere on a beach in a manual chair? Not happening. Yeah. One time I got almost stuck in the ocean wow anyway that's enough for today we'll talk to you later guys (laughs) okay bye